Well, welcome to the Shaw Vineyard Podcast. I'm Dan, I'm the youth pastor here, and I also get to host this little podcast. We're going to do something a little different for this episode. Normally, we would just bring you the recording from our Sunday service with the message. But we thought with the message from last Sunday morning, it would be worth actually sitting down with Vic and going through it, going a little deeper than what you can do when you're speaking to a crowd of people. So I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Vic Francis. Well, Vic, thanks for coming and doing a sermon a little differently for the podcast this week. It will be fun, won't it? It's nice because I wasn't here on Sunday, so I actually get to draw the sermon out of you like a one-on-one conversation rather than, you know, you speaking to a crowd on a a Sunday morning. So uh, we're talking about this idea of if God is the the thought that has led to this, what is the the reason behind this this message? Yeah, I've been been quite taken with the idea that we always need to have something that's really stretching us in our understanding of God. God gets bigger. Uh, And so... So the thing that's stretching me at the moment is a quote from a guy called Kenneth Tanner, and I don't know a lot about Kenneth Tanner, I've only heard of him over the last couple of weeks, but in a a piece of writing that he had done, I heard this phrase which really attracted me, and, and, and it went something like this, the same finger of God, the same finger that um, carved out the Ten Commandments on on stone with Moses. We know that from the Old Testament. Uh, was the finger that drew in the ground in front of the woman who was brought to Jesus who had been taken in adultery. Right. And, and to me, that that just blows my mind. It was God who, it was God's uh, finger that did the command that said she should be brought to Jesus, and it's Jesus's finger that's drawing in the ground that she then gets led away because of the he is without sin and we know that story and I think oh my god's just got bigger and I love that that sense yeah so in in that amazing idea of god is the same yesterday today and, and forever and then being embodied in in the person of jesus you kind of brought this the scripture from from first john so why don't you take us there a little bit yeah i, I thought um you know with that finger of god thing that's a personal thing but i was thinking as i went into sunday morning to really pose this question if god is love what would that mean for your i don't know your life your your, your daily life your work your marriage whatever it might be and 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 of course we agree that God is love. So I went into one John four and it's verses seven to nineteen, and we won't read them out now. Obviously, I did on Sunday, and and it and it states a few things there that I think are really significant for us. You know, firstly that God is indeed love. It says it twice in that passage, uh, and I think we would we would agree with that. Then I, I I had this real sense, and it says it again in the text, is the greatest exhibition of God's love to us is Jesus in human form, God in human form. That's really important. And then it finishes really in, in John uh, 1 John 4 with this whole idea of um, God's love inspires our love, and, and, and there's a challenge. There's a sermon in the waiting. Right, well, so that, you know, 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us and straight, a, straight away your head goes to every time you've heard, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 or any of those yeah. great passages on love from the New Testament. It's like because Jesus loved all of Paul's writing, James' writings, all of that comes from this place of, well, God showed radical love first. And so we love one another yeah. in response, just as we love God in response. And more than that, you know, we could do all these amazing things, but if we don't do it with love in our hearts or as our motive or whatever it would be, it's like nothing if you if you talk about that First Corinthians 13 right. verses 1. I to the podcast for a little while and they catch the night church episodes. We had Brad Jersick 
from Canada last speak week, a yeah. couple of weeks ago yeah. or last yep. week. And you've sort of, because you were at the same retreat that Calvin was at, that um, that Brad spoke at. And his idea of, you know, God being love and Jesus being the ultimate display of that love really sort of connected with you. Yes, it definitely did. He has this example, which again is an, another little mind stretcher for me. So if if he uses the illustration of a, of a diamond, so a, a round diamond perfectly cut, 58 facets. Um, and he says that, you know, uh, if, you, if you took who God is as that diamond and, and described it as love, the love would be the whole diamond. And that, that's an important thought of his, is that because he says we often think of God as love, but he's also other things. He's holy, he's righteous, yeah. he's faithful, he's all of these things. But but Jersak says, you know, no, he is love like the diamond. And then the 58 facets, or of course there's a lot more facets or whatever. But, you know, um, so righteousness is one of the aspects of God's love rather than as well as God's love. So it sounds subtle, but it's really significant because we – because we get led into the sense of, of God's wonderful love for us. And I, I love that idea of, you know, love but sort of there. Well, God is love, but he's also this, or love God, you know, God is love, but, but whatever else. But actually going, yes, but it's out of that love that God is holy, out of that love that God is yeah. is righteous. And, I, you know, you, you mentioned before we started recording that you could have just stopped the message there, sort of, okay, so if God is love, dot, 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 and then we go away and we think about it. And you've got a few sort of, I guess, big ideas or, or a few sort of questions you could put into the, well, if God is love, what does it mean about this? So we're going to spend the, the rest of our, our time going through that. The first one you've got is, if God is love, then he'll love me regardless of my unworthiness. Yeah, it's such an important thing, isn't it? We live in a society, I guess any society, uh, where you know there's a lot of sense of burden, of sense of guilt, a sense of shame. We, we all know the terrible things that we've done. We all know perhaps the reasons why God shouldn't love us. Yeah. Um, and yet if God is love, dot, 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 if God is love, he loves me despite my unworthiness. And and I think we know that in theory, but what an important thing it is to to be able to know it in practice. And so uh, in Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, it sort of talks about God being rich in mercy and because of his great love with which he loved us. I love the, re- the repeating of the word there. Um, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. It's, it's sort of, you know, Christianity 101, you know, God loves us despite our unworthiness, but it seems like a, a, a mes- message worth knowing all over again. And so what is the way you think that we take that from a, well, I learned that in Sunday school, or I know that that's true because it's in the Bible and I, I believe that, and then making that be a, a thing you live by or, or something that affects how you see yourself or how you think about yourself and how you go about your your week how do you take that to a heart message i think um i think i would say to take jesus right into that most unsavory part of who and what you are sometimes an action that we've done or an action that someone else has done to us or whatever it might be and you know to to actually take the love of god in in prayer or 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 in counsel of some sort and right into the nitty gritty of that place is a very freeing thing and and a very healing thing, I think, and then to move on from there. So, so I think sometimes we think, well, we've asked for forgiveness, or 
you know, God, God, you know, or we're not quite sure how to apply it. But I think a very deliberate, you know, Jesus, will you go with me to that place of my self, you know, um, loathing or you know whatever it might be, um, and see what He does with you in there. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, we, uh, you know, bring this up at, at youth group all the time. This idea of when you're in those low moments, when you know you're far away from God, quite unquote far away from God. Actually, that is where you could be just a breath away from hearing his voice or, or, or feeling yeah. his presence because it's in those moments that Jesus came and it's in those moments that God still is there for us, showing, right. showing that love. So that's, if God is love, he loves me despite my unworthiness, which I think is such a, a great profound truth. And, and the second one that you've got is, uh, if God is love, dot, 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 then he's experienced and dealt with everything that I experience. Yeah, I, I spent quite a lot of time with this um, in the context of my message because I wrestle with that a bit. So there's Jesus um, dies as a 33-year-old, we think, and um, single, we think, you know, all of all of the things we understand. So how can Jesus really know what I go through or you go through, Dan, or any of our listeners go through? And clearly he didn't have some of the physical experiences that we have. He didn't grow old. He, he didn't get married. Um, he wasn't a woman, you know. Um, so all right. of those things are, you know. So how do we relate to that? And um, I found a lot of help in Brad Jessack's book there because we often think about this also in, in our extremities of life as well. You know, what happened? Where was God when really tough stuff happened? Um, and was Jesus really, or is Jesus really part of our sorrows and our sadness and our and our sense of defeats and failures and so we talked about that quite a lot I'd, I'd love to read a little bit from Brad's book today um, because to me that that summarized some of those things so so in his book a more Christ-like God um, he he makes this I think it's a profound sort of little couple of paragraphs he says so where is Jesus when the child is being molested so we all we've all asked that question haven't we where, Absolutely, where yeah. is Jesus when a civilian is tortured by a government forces when a rocket launcher takes out a passenger jet when a terrorist literally crucifies a Christian. So again, we've all read that, seen that on, on the news or whatever, and um, wondered where God was, no matter how rich in faith we are. So so Brad talks about this. He says, God neither controls the situation, so it's not like God makes that happen. And there's, there's more context to that. Nor is he found sulking in the corner, passive and idle. Behold, and here's, here's Brad's key at least, he is there on the cross. And it's like, okay, well, that's still very theoretical, isn't it? You know, it's all very well 2,000 years ago. But then he goes on, he says, and he takes up all the evil and suffering and sin and sorrow into himself, all the despair and selfishness that leads to suicide, all the perversion and obsession that leads to sexual assault, all the powerless and desperation that leads to terrorism, all the pride and power that leads to condemnation and slavery. And then he, he finishes that paragraph saying, Christ takes it all up into himself on the cross. He felt it all, endured it all, absorbed it and transformed it through self-giving, radically forgiving, co-suffering love. Jesus did indeed take those experiences that may well burden me down and he wore them, experienced them, knew them. And so he invites us to walk with him in those experiences. I think that's so freeing. Yeah, and it's it's way bigger on the cross than well, Jesus died for my sin, Correct. which you know is still true right, and is, is still something you know we, we we believe and hold to. But it's 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 bigger than that. It's not just sin. It is the as you know he says the, the suffering, all of the pain, all of the hurt that we feel as a human, even if it's not something that Jesus himself 
felt because he didn't sin either and yet he still felt the weight exactly. of all of that yeah um that is him going oh, yeah I, I do know that experience I do know that pain and so we can we can say that he and, and so in that. the result of it is is that we have a slightly different understanding of the trials that we go through because I think we have a bit of a thinking of well Jesus it's Jesus's job or God wants to just take us out of that mm. but I think the message is that we will go through it we do we know that life is tough but as we go through it we can again look to to going through that with Jesus, who does understand, who is with us, who has an arm around our shoulder, who is walking that walk with us. And I think that is that is something that will go a long way towards um, making this a healthy process, whatever the process is. I think alongside this, and you know, again, we ex- experience this in youth group, is that when we go through suffering or when we go through pain, we feel like church isn't where we should be because God doesn't want to come close to that. Um, just as you know, if we if we call ourselves sinful, we don't think that church should be yeah. where we are. Mm. But actually, you know, when you look through this lens of Jesus going, actually, I came to to take away all suffering and to and, and to go through all of this with you. Of course, that's where Jesus would be is yeah. at church and you know with with people who are in that moment, and it's not really something that you should be running yeah. away from. Yeah, there is no doubt that there's something of a flight mechanism within us. Is you know when we're in bad shape with God that we tend to, I don't know, pull away from fellowship and connection, you know, be it be it our own personal time with God or be it our time with other people in church or formally or informally. And that's a that's a shame. I always think that, you know, sort of the regularity of church is a wonderful thing because you arrive one morning and you're full of hope and faith and all of that and you arrive the next Sunday morning and you're, you're lacking in hope and faith and, and God loves you in both of those and one week you may be an encouragement to someone else and the next week someone else will be an encouragement to you so so yeah I, I, that does tap into my long held observation and understanding as I you know when we're in, when we're in trouble we need to be there almost more than when we're not in trouble you know yeah. just to be there yeah you know but it, it is worth you know pointing out that when we say uh, God you know God experienced and dealt with all of our uh, experiences that includes the good experiences yeah, as well absolutely so yeah he, he shares he shares the joys and triumphs you know he's he's made us for his purpose he, we're made in his image it's an amazing thing uh, the third uh, truth that you've got if God is love he's conquered the ultimate enemy and that enemy being death. Yeah, well, death, uh, you know, often we think of it all about being sin. You mentioned that, Jesus died for my sin on the cross. You know, sin, maybe in some ways you could call it a symptom. Our our real enemy is death, you know, kind of uh, eternal death, physical death. And Jesus, um, on the cross, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed destroyed is death. And and he um, defeated death on the cross, Hebrews 2.9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Um, I, showed a, I showed a picture on Sunday of um, North Shore Cemetery, um, so close to where we are, and I pointed out that a lot of us are going to end up there. We will end up in that uh, buried there, or we'll end up in that crematorium there. My own dad is there. You know, that's that's where people on the North Shore end up. But the the story of God, if God is love, um, then in love He has won us eternity, has won us victory over death, and even over the fear of death. You know what a, what an encouragement that is. And so Jesus has gone there. He has God can't die, of course, but but God in human flesh can die. So that's that's the love of God to come and be with us and to die a horrible death, obviously, so that we might not 
die and that we might not fear death. Now, obviously, physically, we're going to pass away, but in terms of eternity, it's secure. I mean, what a what a, a magnificent thing. It's one of those, you know, it's bigger than you think it is. And I can't remember who the quote is by or exactly what it is, but it's something along the lines of Jesus didn't come to make sinful people not sinful. He came to make dead people alive. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so capturing onto onto some of these truths of if God is love, he loves me regardless of my unworthiness. If God's love, he has experienced and dealt with everything that I experience. And if God is love, he's conquered the ultimate enemy death. I think these are just bigger truths about a God we we know and we worship and you know we know God is love, but actually there are some things that that means if we truly believe that God is love. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, just again, maybe coming back to where I started, what is blowing your mind about God at the moment? And and I said to you know write it down, you know, sort of on your device or whatever. Um, and don't feel bad if there's nothing that's really blowing your mind at the moment. But it is a little. Hey, hey! Well, I would like to be like that. I'd like to have something that was inspiring me to worship or, or helping me grow in my faith again. So, you know, maybe the books that you're reading or the conversations you're having or whatever, there could, could be some things that you could do just to be, I don't know, um, w- working on and exposing yourself to things that God might be able to introduce himself to you in a whole new way. So I, I love that as a, you know, a practical thing that you could do even right after listening to this podcast is, yeah, spend some time thinking, if God is love, what does that mean for me? And then be here at church on Sunday morning. That's right. And well, fill in the dot, dot, dot. Yeah. yeah. What, what would it mean to you? You know, here are my ideas, but what does it mean to you? Yeah. And, and, and using that as, well, this is what's blowing my mind about God. Here is why he's worthy of my worship. Here's why. Yeah. Um, here's the fresh revelation I have of him at the moment. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up here? Well, we finished by worshipping, and oh, this is on Sunday, but it's good that you mention worship because cause when your mind is being blown with God, I find that my worship changes completely. You know, sort of it's like, here's this, here's this God with this finger and all of that that I talked about before. We, we went back on Sunday to a new song, a new song for us anyway, called Reckless Love, and, and I just I focused a little on a few of the lines, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I, I love that never-ending and ne- never-beginning as well. So it's almost before I started, long after I I've finished in, into eternity. Time is something different for God. Reckless. I, lo- I love that sense of, um, you know, a word that stretches you. Is, is God ever reckless? Is that right? Oh, yes, of course he's reckless in, in pursuing us. Uh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. You know, I'm, I'm the one in that song, and God is pursuing me. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And yet still you give yourself away. And, and this is what God did is doing and will continue to do. And worship seems an appropriate response to that God. If God is love, all of those things and dot, 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 what does it produce in me? It produces worship. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Shore Vineyard Podcast. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe so that you can get the latest episode on whatever device best suits you. And hey, if you want to get a copy of the book that we mentioned in this episode from Brad Jersick, J-E-R-S-A-K, it's called A More Christ-Like God, and it's available in stores and online right now. We'll leave a link on the show notes here for the podcast. 
And hey, don't forget, we would love to see you at church this coming Sunday. You can join us at 252 Forest Hill Road on Auckland's North Shore. Our services are at 10 o'clock and at 6 o'clock, and it would be so good to meet you in person. I'm there basically every Sunday, so make sure you come and say hi if you're going to come and visit. Till next time, or until then, have a great week.